We're going to be over in Acts chapter 14. To begin with here this morning, Acts chapter 14, there was a freshman at Eagle Rock Junior High School who won first prize at the Greater Idaho Falls Science Fair. It was April 26, 1997. He was attempting to show how conditioned we have become to alarmist practicing junk science and spreading fear among everyone in our environment. In his project, he urged people to sign a petition demanding strict control or total elimination of the chemical known as dihydrogen monoxide. He says there's plenty of good reasons for it. He said this can cause excessive sweating and vomiting. It is a major component in acid rain. It can cause severe burns in its gaseous state. Accidental inhalation inhalation can kill you. It decreases effectiveness of automobile brakes and has been found in tumors of terminally, uh, terminal cancer patients. He asked 50 people if they would support the, uh, the ban on this chemical. 43 said yes. Six were undecided. Only one knew that the chemical was H2O. <laughs> the title of his prize-winning project was How Gullible Are We? How gullible are we? He feels the conclusion is obvious. (laughs) Well, how gullible are we? Seems like we swallow an awful lot of stuff. We have to be careful of the things that we take on, the things that we we can uh, we can allow in. We're going to look at some things here in, our, in regards to our words because words, folks, have had an effect upon us that we don't even always realize. Words have had an effect upon us. We have received some words that have come in and we don't even see what it is that they've done. We have to be careful of what these things have done. Sometimes we'll say, well, words just don't have an effect on me. We're going to take a look at some people who words had an effect upon in the Word of God. Last time we were looking at what power... When God said, let there be, and when he said that in Genesis, he said some things. And when he said these, let, let there be, when he's, oh, things happened. Things happened. When we say things, we have to realize that there are some creative power in the words that we speak. When I speak to my automobile, when I speak to my home, when I speak to my bank account, when I speak to the things that I have. There is some creative power in with those, those words. What are the words that I'm speaking? So we looked at that last week. This week we're going to take a look at something. In Acts chapter 14. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude both of Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and, po- and poisoned their minds against the brethren. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Now look at this first verse again. It happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of the Greeks, believed. So when they get into town, they speak the gospel, they speak the word of God, and a great multitude from both the Gentile crowd and the Jewish crowd believed in the gospel. Because of the words that they spoke. The next verse says that some unbelieving Jews, these are Jews who didn't believe in the gospel, 
stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Now, how did they do it? They spoke words. They came in and they spoke their unbelieving words. And these folks accepted, some of them did, accepted the unbelieving words. And those words had an effect upon their belief. So the, the time before, when the disciples came in, they believed the gospel. But then when these other unbelieving ones came in and they spoke contrary words, they decided not to believe the gospel anymore. So they went from not believing to hearing the gospel and believing to hearing that the gospel was wrong and becoming unbelieving. All in a short period of time. How did they do that? Because words were spoken. Now, I want you to go through here and I hope that as we're getting through here, you're saying, well, that won't happen to me. Because when we get to the end, we're going to show you some spots that it may have already happened to you. But we're not getting there yet. We only got through verse 2 here. Let's go on. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. Now, just think of this statement, that statement. They go in there, and initially, people, a, lot of, a multitude believed. Then other people came in, and a lot of them fell off and didn't believe. So because of that, they decided to stay there a long time. How many of you, because of that, would have left? Let's just get out of here. They don't want it. We'll go on to some other place. But because of it, they stayed there a long time. Speaking boldly in the Lord. Well, they had to speak boldly now because they got people that are against them. Who was bearing witness to the word, word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews and part with the, with the apostles. So there was division. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. So before this, you're thinking of a Gentile city and you have Jewish people and Gentile people. From what you know of history, how did those, how did those two groups get along? Not well. Not well. Jews didn't accept the Gentiles. Gentiles didn't like the Jews because they weren't accepted by them. But here we see that they team up against a common enemy. And they decided to make a violent attempt. Now notice that the people who believed in the gospel did not make a violent attempt against those who were disbelieving. It was the disbelieving ones who made a violent attempt against those who were believing. It's kind of the same way it is today. Generally, whenever you see a group that is disbelieving of some truth, they become violent if people side with it. Whatever it might be. We still see it today. How much violence have you seen in our country and other countries because of the truth, because of something they don't like, and they come on out with whatever it is that they want to come out with. So these guys came in. They stirred up their minds. The Word of God says it poisoned their minds. They stirred them up. And they poisoned their minds. They poisoned their minds with these words. They spoke these words. These words had an effect upon them. Verse 7. Now they left there. And they were preaching the gospel there in the places that they had gone. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. So here's the guy. Certain man. Lame since birth. Didn't have strength in his feet. And he had never walked. Never learned 
to walk. And everybody knows about him because he's been in the city for a long time, I guess since he was born, but he's been there. Everybody knows about this guy. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. So he heard Paul speaking. He's, he's in there. He's in the meeting. He's hearing Paul preach. Paul's preaching the gospel message. He's hearing the message preached. And he said, I can, I can believe that. And he's seeing that faith is building up in this guy. And so Paul looks over at him. He says, there is faith building up in this guy. Now, this is just a side note here, but look at this verse again. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. What does he have? Faith to be healed. Is he healed? But doesn't Paul say he has faith to be healed? How is it that if he has faith to be healed, he's not healed? Haven't you ever heard when you're not healed by something, you don't have faith for it? Apparently that's not true. Because Paul says this guy has faith to be healed, but he's still sitting down. Just because you have faith to be healed does not mean you are healed. And just because you are not healed does not mean you don't have faith to be healed. The enemy likes to put you in the condemnation that way. Well, you just don't have faith. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Something was missing. So we see what it is. So Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice. Now, he didn't just have faith. He had faith to be healed. Remember the other lame man at the, at the beautiful gate? He had, he had expectation. He was expecting to receive something. And they work with that. But it did not say he had faith to be healed. This guy sat in the meeting, heard the, the gospel, heard that Jesus was a healer. And he had faith to be healed. But he's still lame. So Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, what healed him if he had faith to be healed? Why was he not healed? And why did he become healed after Paul said that? Because faith needs action. Just because you have faith doesn't mean that you have action. You have to have action that has to go along with your faith. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She had faith to be healed that if I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. But until she got into that place where she could do that and that action came about. See, a lot of times we're just believing God for something, but there's no action attributed to it. The action we're attributing to it is, well, I just hope God comes through and heals me. See, there's no action on my part. I can't, I can't get my faith to go. I've got to get to the Word of God and find out what is it that I need to do. Just like the woman did. I know, all right, I, Jesus is the healer. There's healing power there for me. Had. If I get to his garment and touch the hem of it, I know I shall be healed. Another one said, if you come, you can heal my servant. If you come, you can heal my daughter. If you come, you can heal my son. Three different ones came. And they said, if you come, this can happen. Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. You see, when the word was spoken, he had faith to be healed. When he heard that word, he acted upon it. And he got right up. Now, here's the problem we have with a lot of us. 
we're believing for a long time condition. We're believing for something to go. But when the word comes, we don't act. See, for some of us, the word has come and we haven't acted. Some, for some of us, if we were this man, we're the lame man and we're sitting down there and Paul says, stand up. We would have said, I can't. When Jesus came to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda and he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He could have said, I can't. But he didn't. He rose up, took up his bed and walked. Now, some of us, the, the solution for what we're supposed to do has been a lot simpler. But we haven't gone after it. See, we would, we would like something a little more crazy like this. But you see, sometimes what happens is we get, a, we get something like the um, a man with leprosy. You know, go and wash and be clean. He didn't want to wash in the Jordan. I don't want to do that. And so the servant talks some sense into him. Look, if the prophet had said something great, wouldn't you have done it? All he said was, go wash and be clean. And so he finally did. He went and washed and he was clean. And he was glad. Sometimes it's that simple. Some, for some of us, we've been believing God for a condition in our body to change and God has said something that we didn't like. Well, that's not God. That's not God. Maybe, you know, maybe God has said, thou shalt not eat vegetables. No, I like vegetables. I, I, I don't want to do that. Well, he probably wouldn't say that to you. But <laughs> he might say something to you like, stop drinking so much coffee. Stop drinking so much, whatever it might be. Who knows what it is? I don't know what your problem is. I don't know how your body's responding. But he might be saying something to you and it might be something that you like. Because generally, if you're drinking coffee, you like it. I haven't talked to anybody yet. I'm sure there might be some people out there. But I haven't talked to anybody yet who drinks coffee and doesn't like it. I don't drink coffee because I don't like it. But other people probably like it and they go ahead and, uh, and drink it. I heard a story, I, I forget who it was that even told me. But they uh, told me when they were, I think it was in college and he was drinking coffee and he says, you know, I never used to like coffee. He said, I used to buy a cup of coffee on my way to school because it warmed my hands. It was so cold, it just he got it and it would warm his hands up. And then I just throw it away when I, when I got to school and got inside. And so um, he said, well, I figured that was a waste, so I started drinking it. I've been drinking it ever since. I never had that problem, so I didn't, uh, I didn't start drinking that. But what if God tells you to stop drinking or stop eating something that you like? Would you do it? Well, what possible thing could iced tea have with my condition? I don't see how that could have any effect on it. Well, I don't see how dipping in the Jordan River will have any effect on my cancer or my uh, leprosy. I don't see how that would have any effect. We can talk ourselves out of it. What if God said, get up earlier in the morning and do some walking? How many of you would say, get behind me, Satan? I rebuke you. You are not mindful of the things of God. <laughs> we, we wouldn't necessarily like that. But you see, God has sometimes spoken some things like this to us and we've disregarded it or we haven't put our full effort behind it. Because we're not putting our full effort behind it, we're not seeing the results because it was too natural. That's just a side note. 
Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from this, these useful, useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. So they were in the other city. They spoke the words and people believed. And then other people came in, <clears throat> spoke other words, and people disbelieved. Then they all, some of them rose up and wanted to kill him. Because they, uh, they couldn't compete with what Paul was doing. In fact, I think I've, I uh, neglected to go over that part of it with you. Going back to verse 3. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they stayed there. They were preaching boldly the gospel. But God was also doing wonderful things. In other words, people were being healed. Miracles were being done. Probably demons cast out of people. And the crowd who didn't believe had to compete against this. And they didn't like it. And that got them mad. That got them upset. And it's kind of like the global warming cloud. They're, they're kind of that same, same group. They get on out there and they want to tell you, you know, that the uh, polar bears are dying. You all know that the polar bears have now reached a, high, a new high in their population? I don't know if you all saw that report. Polar bears have just reached a new high. In their, in their population have more, more polar bears. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we have apparently more polar bears than, than usual. And they'll try and, and throw out different things because uh, what they, they can't compete with the facts. The facts in the whole thing is there has not been global, any global warming to any measurable degree for 18 years now. Now, if you were a global warming person, wouldn't you just say, look, what we've done is working. Let's keep doing it. But they don't do that, do they? They say... No, 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 don't, don't believe this. That's a lie. That's, a, that's not true. It's still, it's still going on. They're trying to discount all that sort of stuff. Even though people will come out and say, all the gases that they want to you know, uh, eliminate, one volcano eruption will knock all that out. You get a volcano. In fact, if you take any of the, not, the top ten volcanic eruptions, since cars have been made, any one of them puts out more of their so-called global warming gases than all the cars ever made. Ever. Earth just swallows it up. See, they can't compete with the facts. They can't compete with that, that the fact that the earth warms and the earth cools. It just does that on a regular basis. But they can't, so they have to keep trying to sell this. They're trying to sell it to your kids in school. They show them these pictures of polar bears are going to die and penguins are going to die and uh, all this sort of stuff. And I heard uh, just recently there was a picture of penguins and I had them all on this iceberg and the iceberg is supposed to be uh, vanishing and there's rocks and stuff like that. Apparently, it was a, uh, I think National Geographic, uh, I think that's the one who, who published it. Apparently, it was photoshopped that the, um, 
uh, they actually took it from a different continent than the one that they're saying had the problem. And they're trying to pitch that the penguins didn't have any food because all you could see was bear and stuff. Yeah, penguins don't eat grass and, and uh, stuff like that. They do fish, and they, they're underneath the water. <laughs> so, but people will just swallow this, and they'll just kind of buy it. It's, uh, it's not good. And it's kind of the same thing here, that uh, people came on in, and they did great miracles, and the people, they bought into the thing, this is, this is God. This is, in fact, it must be Zeus. That's not what it was. They weren't preaching the gospel of Zeus. But they're ready to sacrifice to Zeus. That wasn't going to be a good thing. They were saying, no, no, no. We're, we're telling you not to be doing these kind of things. But they, um, they wanted to do it anyway. They wanted to come out there and to sacrifice to these gods that they had been worshiping because they came down as men. Where do we leave off at before that? Verse 18. Verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So here you got a group of people that Paul was preaching. People in the crowd had faith to believe for healing. And one of them we know in particular had a condition that had gone on since he was a kid, since he was born. He gets healed. People are so caught up at how great of a miracle this was. They're ready to sacrifice to their gods. And Paul stops them. In the very next verse, we hear that the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the multitudes and they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So you go from ready to sacrifice to him as gods to killing him. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to the city made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. How many of you would have returned? I don't think I would have returned. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now how do some people become persuaded that something is right and then that it is wrong? How did they get that way? I want you to notice this though. The people in the city are persuaded that it's right. They're then persuaded that it's wrong. And then they per- per- proceed to kill Paul. Try and kill him anyway and for, uh, through stoning. Notice this though. Through all the things that are going on, Paul and Barnabas and the other apostles never change their mind. How is it that some people change their mind this drastically? And folks like Paul and Barnabas didn't. When Jesus was ministering on the earth, there were the Pharisees. How many Pharisees do we hear became persuaded and, and worshipped Jesus? Not many. There's a couple, but not many. It seems that they were as hard on the other side as Paul and Barnabas and the apostles were hard on the gospel side. And then you got the people that are in between to kind of, you know, they, they go one way, they go another. How many of you folks know, know some people over at work? Not more, nobody here in church, of course. People over at work. You have some friends over at work, and you know, one day they're excited about something, and the next day they're not. Or the next week. They go from being excited to not being excited, maybe back to being excited again. They're just slip-flopping all over the place. Well, it seems that there are two groups of people. There are those that are vulnerable, and those who are immune. 
the good thing to do is to become immune and be on the side of the gospel. If you are immune and you're on the side of, that's not on the side of the gospel, the word of God has a word for it. It's called hard-heartedness. You all know some people that are hard-hearted? Paul was immune to the gospel for many years, wasn't he? He was so immune to it, he persecuted it. But then when he got persuaded to go the other direction, he didn't go back. He wasn't a person who uh, flip-flopped. There are people out there who flip-flop on all kinds of things. You have to make sure that you do not become a person who can become persuaded to leave the truth that you know. Don't flip-flop. Don't change. Stay with what you know in the Word of God. In Mark chapter 15, verse 1, immediately in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes in the whole city speaking about Jesus. And they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. Now, he's not saying, I am the king of the Jews. He's saying, as you say it, it's going to be. He's just kind of putting it in his hands. He knows who he is. And the chief priest accused him of many things, and he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels, and they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude cried out, began to ask him to do just as he had done, always done for them. And Pilate answered, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd, so that, should, so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate went in to gratify the crowd, release Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Now remember this, a week before, what were the crowds doing when Jesus came into the city? We call it Palm Sunday. They were all excited. Here he comes. Jesus is coming into the city. Oh, let's go to the, go to the gate. Jesus is coming into the city. They lined up along the roads because they wanted to see Jesus who was coming. Into the, they're excited that Jesus is coming into the city. And they're glad. Many of these people had been healed under Jesus' ministry. Some of them had, had demons cast out of them. And they're all excited. The whole city is excited. It was, it was so high that they almost wanted to make him king. And a week later, they're shouting out, crucify him. Crucify him. Why? Because the Pharisees stirred him up. Because they spoke words to him and it inflamed them and they went in the, in the wrong direction. Now, how is it that that happens with people? Now, we'll see this go on today. Because people just don't, they don't, they don't listen to stuff. They don't hear things. I'm going to give you one example that probably many of you know about or had, uh, had experience with. How many of you have all heard the media talking about how the election was hacked? You ever heard that phrase? The election was hacked? Yeah, and so they speak it out in a certain way and they want people to hear it in a way that they want them to believe it, but they're not actually saying it that way. Now, when you hear the term election was hacked, how many of you think that what the media is talking about, that the election process was hacked so that the votes were altered by the Russians. Yep, 
Except the thing, here's the thing, folks. The media never said it. The media never one time said it. Every time they talk about the elections being hacked, they talk about the DNC and their computers being accessed and broken into. And one in particular, um, uh, oh, I forgot his name now. Um, uh, one guy in particular, they, they uh, hacked his emails and, and so forth. You know, his emails weren't, weren't hacked. Uh, begins with a P. What's his, what's his name? I, I cannot think of the guy's name now. Should have written it down. Maybe it'll come to me. But his, uh, his emails were hacked. Well, it turned out his emails were not hacked by the Russians. His emails were hacked because he answered a phishing email. Everybody get a phishing email? You, know, you need to log into your email right now because we need to do some things, fix it up. I got one particular account um, that, uh, that I use mostly here for church that on a weekly basis, I get seven to ten hacking emails. To the point I just recognize them and I just uh, delete them if, um, if any of them are asking me to... I didn't even read, read what they had to say. I just, oh, that's one of them. That's one of them. I get seven to ten of these a week in that account. I don't get that many in all my other accounts. For some reason, this one is being picked on. But see, what he, what he, what he had done was he had uh, gotten an email that we had to uh, check your email, do something with your email. And so he actually took the email and sent it to his IT guys. Is this legit? And his IT guy sent him back an email saying, yes, it is. Go ahead. <laughs> so afterwards, he did that. And so they got in and all his, his uh, emails were released. And all kinds of things were known about the Democratic campaign that uh, they didn't want known. And so they were all released. But it was not a hack by the Russians. It was him answering a phishing. They even admitted it. They even talked about it. Then that, apparently the IT guy said, no, no, that's not what I said. I told him not to do it. How in the world can you say it's legit, go ahead? I mean, it was a really short email back is what he said. How, how, can you, how can that be anything like, no, 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 don't do it. Get rid of that thing. I don't even see how the words are the same. But anyway, that's, uh, that's what one place. They also want to say that the uh, DNC was hacked. And, uh, and that the, but they, what they want you to believe is that the election was altered. Because if they can get you to believe or people to believe that the election was altered then Donald Trump is not a valid president. Therefore, anything he does is invalid, if they can get you to believe that. Now, in order for the Russians to hack the uh, election process, you have to do one of two things. One, you either have to hack into all of the voting machines. How many voting machines were in your district? Two, three, four, seven, whatever. It's, some, it's at least two and some of you had three or four, some of you had five, six, or seven, depending upon how big your district is. So multiply that district by how many districts are in the county, by how many counties are in the state. And so how many machines are in each state? We're probably talking about thousands, right? So if you were the Russians, you would have to hack into all of those machines in order to alter them. That would be a lot of hacking that you would have to be able to do. If, you know, some of them are not even online. So that's one way that you could do it. If we're not going to say that they did it that way, the other way would be that all the information that's collected and transferred over to the main counting area, that that is hacked in the way and that the count is altered. So in order to do that, you have to know when each district is sending their information out, how they're sending it out, so that you can hack into it, intercept it, and change it. How many of y'all think that can happen? 
You see, the media has never said that any of these things have happened. But they use the terminology that the election was hacked. They don't mean the election was hacked. They mean the DNC was hacked. And therefore, information was released that they didn't want released. And that, they say that that changed. The only one who altered any of the election was the Democrat National Committee. And they even admitted so that they altered it so that Hillary would win and that Bernie didn't have a shot. They admitted that. They're the only ones who hacked the election, so to speak. But see, they say this thing. How many of you know people, they hear, hey, hacked the election. And therefore, the election results are, are bad. But they also want to come out and say that Hillary won the popular vote. So if you were the Russians and your idea was to hack the election so that Donald Trump would win, wouldn't you think it'd be better if he would have won the popular vote? But they didn't do that, did they? See, they, they alter all these, these kind of things. Then they, um, uh, what did they, they, they came on out with some other stuff after that that um, uh, Donald Trump was kind of upset about some of the investigation they were saying or the investigating the ties between Donald Trump and the Russians. How many have heard about that investigation? So, as that thing was coming out, there's no proof for this, understand. There's no proof. I don't know if you heard about this detail of it, but the FBI started a criminal investigation to see if there was, closed the investigation because they said there was no evidence for it. Now, if you're familiar with the FBI, the FBI has two kinds of investigations. One investigation is criminal. FBI criminal investigations are not known by or cannot be altered by the President of the United States. He cannot even know the details of it. But the other one is security issues. Government, or, you know, country security. For that, the President is actually over the FBI on anything that they would do. And so the uh, report went out that Donald Trump was being investigated. Well, if he was investigated criminally, that was apparently wiped out. If it went over to a securities investigation, that then comes under the president. And so the president could watch over it or direct it and, and so forth. Well, it was said that, there, that the FISA courts had two requests to um, surveil Trump. And then after that, uh, they were refused. So a third one was put out in which Trump wasn't named. It was just the uh, Republican Party. They were going to investigate them. And I believe that one went, went through is what they're, they're saying. So, so Donald Trump came out with a thing and he says, well, my lines, how many of you heard this? My, my phone lines were tapped over at, uh, but they're all saying there's no evidence for it. Well, there may not be any evidence for it, but apparently there was no evidence for the other stuff either. You ever hear, hear this part? The seriousness of the crime? Well, the seriousness of the crime depends on whether they want that crime investigated or not. It's about all that it, it goes on. But anyway, so Donald Trump came out with this. And so now all of a sudden, an entire headline at the New York Times switched from information gathered from um, phone line taps to the same story. Headline completely changed in the New York Times. It went from that to Russia uh, Russian communications were intercepted. See, all they want to do is they want to sow something into your heads. Now, whether you like Donald Trump, whether you like the election process, how it went, it makes no difference. I don't really hear to talk about any of that. I'm telling you that the media wants to plant a thought. Now, when they plant the thought, for some people, that thought will come in and make you completely immune to anything else that would come out. Completely immune. We saw that with some of the riots that were going across the country. That a, a 
a thing was said, this is what happened. And when the truth came out, that isn't what happened. No one would receive that truth because they've been made immune to what actually occurred. So we have to be careful that we don't let these things go on on ourselves and that we become like the crowd who once received this and then flipped over to the other side and then flipped back again over to here. We can't be flipping. We've got to be hanging on to, to what the truth is. It's important. Now, whether you believe one thing about Donald Trump or, or not, or it makes no difference to your spiritual well-being. But what does make a difference is, are you a person who just hears what people say and receive it? Because if you, if you are, that will interfere with how you grow spiritually. That will have a problem with what you do. You've got to make sure that you take everything and test it and find out, does it actually have some mustard to it? We put this in your, in your outline for you. Are you vulnerable to contrary words? Are you vulnerable to contrary words? Or have you become immune? Now, I didn't have room to put all this stuff in your outline. If you want to write these things down, if they're meaningful for, for you, then you go ahead and do it. Or else you can just listen. But how do you become immune? How do I become immune to things that are not going to help me? Why do we get vaccines? You know, go and they take your arm, or usually it's in your arm, they, they shoot the, the shot in your arm, and you become immune to polio. Immune to, and they, whatever, I don't know what all the different things are that are out there. It's been a while since I've had to deal with vaccines. But the idea is to build up your immunity so that if that disease comes upon you, it doesn't take root because your body is equipped with the things to fight it. It recognizes, oh, I know what that is, and I know how to take it down. And so your body goes out there and it, it takes it down. It uh, says, oh, I've, that's the polio. I know how to fight that. The reason that something gets in your body is because it got in your body and your body didn't know how to fight it. So here's, uh, here's some things you can do to become immune. First, don't believe everything. Especially when the media is beginning to say this. Don't believe everything. Here's another one. Check the source. Check the source. How many of you ever heard a media report? These things irritate me to no end. You heard a media report, people on the TV, people in the um, written, they say this. They say, unnamed sources report. How many ever heard those words? Unnamed sources report. And we take it with authority because we'll, they'll even say, unnamed sources within the such and such campaign within the such and such White House or whatever it might be, unnamed sources have reported, have said. Well, let me ask you this question. If somebody came to me and they asked me what my opinion was of global warming and I gave it to them and they could say, unnamed sources say, and they would say that, right? What if we have a uh, a leak from the White House and they're reporting some things about what went on in this White House the previous White whatever White House was, was going on. And the person that they got was the janitor. Whoever the janitor was, they got the janitor who's, you know, you're going around, you're in the White House all the time. Have you ever heard anything like this go on? And they may say, I've never heard that. I'm, I think that might have happened. Yeah. Unnamed sources say, now, would that not be true? 
Is it an unnamed source? The reason that they don't name the source, they want you to believe the reason they don't name the source is because the source is credible but doesn't want to lose their job. But is it not also very possible for the, poor, for the source to be uncredible and they don't want you to know it? So if a person's going to say unnamed sources, say disregard the rest of the report. Totally just throw it out. If you hear a news report and they say unnamed sources say, do not listen to the rest of what they say. Because you cannot test the validity of the thing because you don't know who said it. You don't know if this person has any ability to even know what they're talking about. We don't know. Unnamed sources. First off, check the source. Find out who it says. How many have ever heard something in the area of the gospel? Somebody had said something, came up to you and say, I just heard this teaching. What do you think of this teaching? And they begin to tell you some of the highlights of it. And you, what's one of the first things you'll say? Who said that? Right? Who said that? Because knowing the source can help me out on, on some things. I can kind of know where they're coming from and, and what kind of things to expect out of that. You know, there are some people that if people tell me the source, immediately my, my guard is up. Wait a minute. I know some things about that one. I, uh, I don't really think I would just take something that they would say. My guard is up immediately about it because, hmm, I've heard some things. What if they say to you, I just got this teaching. Who said it? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, now you've got to go back to the Word. Well, fortunately, you can. You have the Word of God. You can go back to the Word and you can check that thing out and see. But just because you hear it, don't believe everything that you hear. Check the source. Check the source. You know, just because a doctor gives you a bad report doesn't mean they're a bad doctor. Maybe the report is true, but his conclusion is wrong. You know, he may say, well, you've got this going on in your blood. When that happens, people usually die within a year. Well, his conclusion could be wrong. You just say, thank you for the report, and you go on. Don't be taking that thing in. Don't let it alter you. Because up until then, up until that report came, were you not believing what the Word of God said? Were you not having a faith stance? And that thing altered your faith stance? Don't let it do it. Don't believe everything. Check the source. Check the facts. Find out what facts that they're saying. Well, you know, when you get back into that election thing, well, what are you actually accusing the Russians of doing? Now, understand this, for any of you folks on the, on the Russian thing, uh, there is no evidence that the Russians actually hacked into anything at all. I'm not saying that they wouldn't try. I know that they would try it. I know we would try to hack into them as anytime we can. Chinese are trying to hack into us. us. We're trying to hack into them. That's just the things we do. We, we just go about doing that. Well, um, did you all see that some of the things that were released this week? And I, I knew this. I don't know why this was news. I, I thought this was already true. But maybe I'm watching too many uh, Tom Clancy movies or something like that. But they said that um, apparently the CIA has the ability to hack into somebody's computer and make it look like the Russians did it. Now, how many of y'all, I thought that was already going on. You know, I'm, I, I thought, I'm just watching too many spy things. I thought they did that all the time. Left footprints to, to look at them. But apparently that was new facts for someone. So I'm not sure if I just, you know, thought that because I'm watching the movies. or watching, reading something that Tom Clancy wrote or something like that. I don't know. But uh, check the facts. What are they actually saying? What are, they, uh, are they actually saying that the Russians hacked the election? Or are they saying that the Russians hacked the DNC? What are they actually saying? Check the facts. Because um, the facts might be wrong. Just because the doctor said 
that this is going on in your body, well, check the facts on the thing. Don't just take it. Check the facts on it. Anybody ever heard doctor come to you and say you're overweight? You're underweight? By whose standard? I mean, really, by whose standard? Just because you are six foot one does not mean that you need to weigh 168 pounds. Even if that's what the chart says. Because some people are just smaller by nature. And if you put 168 pounds on that person, they probably would look funny. Other people, they're six foot one and they may weigh 200 pounds. And their body's very comfortable with that. Don't just, just because somebody wants to come up and tell you, you know, that's, that's not right. That's not where they should be. Don't buy into it. Do it with your kids too. If the kids are, are growing up and they say, your kid's too short. It's too tall. Too heavy. Too light. Don't just believe it. Or don't let it affect you the way you're thinking about for that, for that child. Listen to your spirit. Go back to God. God, do I need to feed them less? Do I need to feed them more? Do I need to feed them different? And, and, and find out what that's about. Because sometimes, you know, you got a young, young kid there. And uh, they're a lot bigger than the other ones. And uh, we were over to, we had the little girl out uh, jumping on the, what do you call that place? Uh, rebounders, whatever it was. They're out there jumping. And uh, lots of little kid, cute kids. And I was going up to some, and they're just, just having fun, watching ours, watching some of the other ones. I wasn't bouncing. I was watching the other ones doing the bouncing. And uh, this one little girl, shorter than, Liz, than, than Lissy, uh, by a good bit. She was, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what the height is. But, you know, Lissy's up here. She was down to about here. Almost a good uh, a foot shorter than she was. Just cute as a button and just running around with such ease. And I'm, I'm not used to someone that short running around and jumping with that much ease. You're, you're thinking a little bit of stumbling and stuff like that. No, she's moving all around, doing all sorts. So I went up to the dad. I said, she is just cute as a button. And her shirt said, dream big. <laughs> That's a great shirt. <laughs> Love the shirt. Dream big. She's running around. And uh, he says, oh yeah, she's four. Now, I, did, I controlled myself. Did not let my drop, draw hit the floor. Four. <laughs> Lissy's three and a half. Four, and thin. I mean, she wasn't real, real big. But she's doing just fine. No one needs to go up and say, too short. You need to do something to make that. Who, who says that? Maybe she's only going to grow up and be four foot six. Nothing wrong with that. There's not a standard for how tall you ought to be and how much you ought to weigh or all these kind of different things that go on. You listen to your body. If your body is telling you, we need to lose some weight. We need to gain some weight. Unfortunately, you are not too much you can do about growing. At least I don't know of anything you can do about growing. You're pretty much going to be the height that you're going to be. Some other things you might be able to change. But don't... Um, don't just believe things. Just check the facts and see. Here's another one. Believe the word over everything else. Believe the word over everything else. I don't care what doctor comes to you. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the news said about your industry that you work in. I don't care about an email that was sent out to all your department people that we are cutting by 50%. Believe the word. Hang on to the word. The Word of God says, be anxious for... Y'all didn't forget that, did you? Be anxious for... Nothing. 
That means emails about your future with the company as well. Don't be anxious about it. It's not going to help you out. Believe the word over everything else. If it shakes your trust in God, reject it. If it shakes your trust in God, reject it. Get rid of it. Put it out. Don't need to have it. Whatever report that comes to you, whatever people have said, and if it shakes your trust in God, you need to drop it. You need to get rid of it. It is not going to help you out. More than anything else, folks, learn to trust in God. More than anything else. Don't let the things that other people say cause you to have a problem with that. Trust in God. There's another one. Think on good things. Think on good things. You know, if we get a president in office, if we get a governor in our state, if we get uh, Congress people that are doing some things and we don't like, it can, it can shake us and we can begin to think negative things are going to happen to me. Bad things are going to happen to me. Don't, uh, don't be doing it. Think on good things. What has the Word of God said about you? The Word of God says, I'm blessed. The Word of God says that I am the head and I am not the tail. Think on these kind of things and go over that. Don't be thinking about the other stuff. Now, when God speaks to you about the condition, we've asked you before, most everyone here has raised their hand saying, there is some kind of a natural condition that you are believing God to change. Some kind of a natural condition. You've got to listen to God. You've got to hear what God has said. Because God will speak to you about how to get that thing changed. How to get that thing going. Whatever it is that you're believing for. I want my blood pressure to come down. You know, you can take medication for that and, and bring it down artificially, but whatever conditions were going on are still there. That's just masking it. Same way with headaches. You can believe God for a headache, but you keep taking Tylenols and aspirin or whatever else you're taking. Um, that's just masking the, the condition. is still there. You just don't feel it. Now, how many of y'all know there's something about not feeling it? <laughs> that's, that can be a good thing. I'm not telling you to throw all those things out. I'm telling you, the condition is still there. You want to find out what is causing the condition that's going on. What is, what is bringing that about? You know, I had a, I had a bout with my knee um, about two weeks ago. The um, second to the last day of February, I had a run. Went out the, the, the next... The, it was, it was, it was hurt, hurting bad. Hurting real bad. Everything focused on my knee. What am I supposed to do? Gave it some time off. Went over to the chiropractor. They worked on some things. And uh, after... Uh, about a week, I felt like I could go out there and run. So it was a Tuesday. I went out in the group run. Ran the group run slower than I usually do, but made the, made the group run. Got done. It's a shorter run that we usually that I usually do, so you know it was, it was a good thing. Made it through just fine. That was last, um, last Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I figure, all right, well, I ran okay then. I'll go for a run today. And I was going to go for a run a little bit longer. And I got a mile out, and that knee started hurting real bad. Man, so um, it was it was bad enough. I stopped and just turned around and walked back. And by the time I finished walking the, the distance that I had run, it was really hurting. So Wednesday night, I was I I, I didn't tell anybody about it on Wednesday night, but Wednesday night I'm almost limping, getting around on the on the thing. It was it was sore. 
And so um, we're walking on that. And so, you know, the, the thing that I got was to, it was not a knee problem. And I remember this about three, three or four years ago. I had the same thing. It was not a knee problem and focus on the muscles. So I began to uh, roll out some muscles that were above the, the knee. And I don't give in to pain too well. I don't really express pain a whole lot. But rolling these things out caused me to uh, let noises come out my mouth that don't usually come out. Because it hurt. Oh, man, it hurt. I had to do this when no one else is in the house because, oh, man, did it hurt. I had not hurt that bad rolling out muscles. And so I, I did that all, I did that Thursday, three, four different times. I went up, got in to ro- roll those things out, didn't run at all, didn't run on Friday. Went up three, four times in the day, rolling them things out. Oh, man, it was hurting, hurting bad, hurting. And then Saturday morning, I got up and I rolled it out again and it wasn't quite as bad. Saturday afternoon, I hit it again and it wasn't quite as bad. I'm thinking... I think I, I think I can go. I think I can go for a run. So yesterday I went out for a run. It wasn't a long run. It's a you know it wasn't just a just a short run to get on out there. But after I hit crossed the five mile mark and was into the sixth mile, that knee started to started to flare up in me a little bit. And I said, all right, those muscles are getting tight. They're, see when the muscles tight they pull in the joint, and then when you land, it's not lining the way the joint's made to land, and so there's beginning to be pain from it. All right, so let's. I realized I was going on, so I started to walk back. How many of y'all know it was cold and windy yesterday? I was dressed to run outside, not walk. So it was getting a little bit cold by the time I, I got on back, but I did some running and walking. Mostly I was running just because it was time to get home. It was a little bit, little bit cold, but it uh, did pretty well. Um, doing pretty well today. I'll keep doing the things that I say. It's, see, it's not a, it wasn't a knee problem. As long as I kept focusing on the knee, icing the knee, doing stuff to the knee, I'm not t- tackling the problem, not changing things. I say all that to tell you this. You've got a problem going on, and it's the reason you have a headache. It has nothing to do with what's going on in your head. It has to go with other things. Muscles are tight. Things are out of alignment. Um, a host of things. I don't know all the things that can go on. But God knows. But more importantly, God knows what is going on in your body. God knows why your body is maintaining a high blood pressure. God knows why your body is maintaining a low blood pressure. God knows why your body is retaining a high level of sugar. All these things God knows. And whatever it is that you face, God will show you how to get it fixed. But you've got to listen to him and you have to be willing to listen to something that makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. Why, if my knee hurts, should I give up coffee? Why, if my head hurts, do I have to change the way that I sleep or the way that I do this? It, you, you don't still see the correlation that goes on. But you listen to God. And just because you heard the first thing, that doesn't mean that's all of it. Sometimes you hit the first thing, then there's a the second one. All right, now that you got that one done, now do this. And then you go out there and you do that. Now that you got that down, now do this. And I'll tell you another step. And I'll tell you what, when I've followed these steps, I have never known at the beginning if there was... Two steps, five steps, or ten steps. I just know the next step to do. And I do that next step. And after I do that next step, the next one becomes apparent. And the next one becomes apparent. Now, here's the tough part. Doing those steps that God shows you to do, despite not seeing improvement. Because I expect if I do the first step and it's of God, that I'll see improvement. But see, sometimes that first step is getting you ready for the second step, which will get you ready for the third step. And after the third step, you'll start to see some improvement. There's a fourth and fifth step. 
Know the source. The source is God, folks. Believe it. Just believe it. But keep speaking those words out. Don't speak words out of defeat. Well, I thought that was God. I tried it and it didn't work. You have just released creative words in the atmosphere. And those creative words are creating things for you that you do not necessarily want. When you get up, you look at that body. Body, you will lose 30 pounds. Look at that body. Head, you will not hurt anymore. Whatever it might be, you put these, these things out there. If you want to lose weight, if you want to lose, say that you want to lose 100 pounds, don't set your goal to lose 100 pounds. Set your goal to lose 20. After you lose 20, set your goal to lose another, another group. And keep on speaking to that thing. And you're going to have people that are going to come along and they're going to speak things in your life that are not good. And they're going to try and persuade you in a certain direction. You need to get yourself to the place where you become immune to those things that are harmful and open to those things that are good. Your examples are Paul, Barnabas, Jesus, Peter, James. These are, these are people who stuck with what was good and didn't, didn't let go and go off after the other things. Become immune to what's going to harm you and open to what's going to help you. And just know people around you are speaking words. That's why I tell you, don't let the news media into your house. They will speak words. They will have an effect. And you will be tainted. Now, I don't ask for a show of hands here, but I wonder how many of you thought that when the media was talking about this, they were talking about them hacking the election process. And yet not a single one ever showed any evidence for it or even made the accusation. And folks on the other side, do you know that President Obama in October, I think it was October 19th during an interview, actually said it would be impossible for the Russians to hack the actual election process. If you never saw that, I can probably give you the exact news date and who was being interviewed by. But then all of a sudden, all those things changed, right? Don't let, these, don't let negative things in. If you want to believe that Jesus Christ is your healer, don't listen to people who believe he's not. If you want to believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, don't listen to people who don't say that he is. If you want to believe that Jesus Christ is your provider, don't listen to people who don't think that he is. Don't let those words come in. Guard yourself against those words. If you want to believe that Jesus Christ is bring, taking you to a place of success, don't listen to people who don't think he does that. Don't listen to people who speak failure over you. Shut those things out. Become immune to those things, but open to the things of God. And don't be these people that flip-flop. This week, Paul's great. Next week, Paul must die. Don't be like those people. You're going to lose things in your life. What kind of things did you speak this week? We asked you about that. What kind of things were you going to be speaking this week? I'd like to hear what somebody had to say on on that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you. For you are our God. You have given us your word. Your word is truth. Your word is light. There are other people who want to get us to disbelieve your word, not follow after it, become fearful of things that are going on in this world. But Father, we want to hang on to the things that you have said, what you have done. You told us in your word to be anxious for nothing. We want to guard our hearts 
and guard our minds and not let people be able to come in and poison us to the things of God or to the things that people say that are around that help us. There are ministers that you have put in our life that speak life and light to us where others are trying to get us to be distanced from them. But Father, we know you. We know your source. And whatever it is that you witness to us is true. Whatever it is that you speak to us is true. We know that it is because we know you never lie. And everything that comes from you is truth. We thank you for the wonderful help you give us to know your voice over all the others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, we got a few praise reports here and a couple of prayer requests as well. Ah, we got more. All right. This is from Sharon. With God's divine wisdom, I was able to diagnose my car, get the part, fix it, instead of the inconvenience of towing to the auto shop, plus saving a lot of money. Wow, that's pretty good. You don't know a whole lot about cars, right? You know a little? Probably more than me. I don't know a whole lot about cars. I know how to change oil and I'll put gas in it. Uh, that's about the extent of what I do with cars. That's great, though. The guy can speak something like that to you. Like that. Ara said, I, pray. I also praise God because the cost did. My car is good, protected, that God protected. That was one from you know. uh, Daryl, I am able to use, keep up with things by applying the principle of my productivity. Word of God. For that. All right, a couple of prayers. Go through for radiation on t- search to find out. Storton Becker, sir, uh, he sent me a surgery. <laughs> morning that he has this tomorrow. So be in prayer for faith to Angela's and my uh, pinched neck nerve hole in the name of Jesus. It's in her neck. I was th- All right. With Angela, that she is healed. The Father, the things that are revealed that to her, speak what it is that is to continue to go on in her body and alter the things that she's patients. The Father, you are arming those that they believe that Jesus Christ is the healer. And I thank you, Father, for the way that... You- for Jim's surgery tomorrow, this tumor that is in the... Father, we thank you for that against fear and anxiety that we're trying to come here. Amen. Well, thank you all for coming out on this cold going on into Tuesday. I was kind of surprised today yesterday that uh, was coming out. I was going up on Tuesday morning with another one to three and looking at some other stuff and I saw it actually supposed to start Monday night and we got three to five inches coming Tuesday night with a little bit more activity still happening on through they turn in that nor'easter flow and we happen to be in this section that is happening. I don't, I don't, we all know what the weather people on Wednesday night. I will post on Wednesday, late afternoon, or on Wednesday night. But I was watching the, the weather. That stuff hasn't gotten a crust on it yet. So that wind is very cold. And so I don't want you going home on any... I've been out on a Wednesday night. And for some reason, this. please check Facebook. Those folks who come out, send a text to people who come out on a regular basis. The rest of you, if you want to come, come on a Wednesday night. Just check Facebook to make sure that we're having the service. So we can make the decision as to whether it's going to be good or not. And if you can let me know about that. And uh, that'll help me then. It's Monday night. And uh, we'll just have to watch this and see how it goes. It does look like we're going to get at least something. I don't know how we could. We're going to have our, our last end times class on the teachings of Paulonians. That will happen today at 1 o'clock. Head out, get something to eat. And uh, come on back here at 1 o'clock. We'll, we'll start with that. But greet some folks before you go. Bless them. Good to have you here today.